Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on this episode, we're going to do some thinking, playing, doing board games. And uh, Ryan, we're going to do a collective review. And what are we collectively reviewing? We are going to collectively review the Isle of Cats. (laughs) Oh, man. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to go into some bantering, some thinking, playing, doing board games. And uh, um, who would like who would like to take point? It's up for grabs. I will. All right, yeah. Let's talk, about the, let's talk about the Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yay! Which is a game I just played for the first time last night. So the conjecture is the is in full swing. Right is now. accurate. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Literally speaking. <laughs> uh, we played it on BGA because that's how it works. And I don't actually own the game. So I was learning it on BGA. Uh, my friend Matt taught us. It's a pretty neat game. I actually mm-hmm. quite liked it. It's got a, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's got that combination of deck building, building your deck, very similar to Dominion, right? You draw five yep. cards. It's got the Dominion DNA. And it also has the board where you're working your way up into different spots, which gets you resources, but there's different levels of spots you can take, which I thought was pretty neat as well. And for the higher level spots, of course, it takes a lot more resources even just to go there. Mm -hmm. And then when you get there, you got to fight something, fight a giant spider or a leopard or something along those lines. (laughs) And the the spirit protector or something like that. Right. And then on the, on the same side, you're also working your way up the, I don't know, what do they call it? The exploration track or exploration or temple track. Or, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, you're, yeah, that's a track or something. And that's actually, that ends up being pretty important, especially at the end of the game. Cause you can get lots of big points that way. And you also get a lot of bonuses through the game. Well, with those two uh, tokens, the explorer and the documenter or something like that, or the journalist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so one's always got to follow the other, right? Yeah. So, so you're trying to move both of them up as evenly as you can. But the first one is the one that that gives you the big bo- the big points, and I think the 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 journalist documenter coming up, you know, in 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 you know in behind kind of thing uh, gets you some points, but I think it gets you the really cool flipping your uh, assistant stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the assistants, I, I quite like to get two of them. I don't know if you can switch them out or not. I didn't really look that closely into the rules. If you get, I don't think so. I think there's, you, there's some there's some cards. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. But you can upgrade them and get, then they, they work even better for you. But you flip them and they're basically a bonus, a free bonus you get when you use them. But then there's a certain things to the game. You can flip them back and then only use them again and then flip them back and use them again. That's what I really like about this game is there's a whole bunch of ways that you can tap into everything that you've already done. Right. And you can reset things again and yeah. uh, flipping switches. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's lots, lots you can do and lots going on in it. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. It's one of those ones where it's like, Oh, you, you, you end up getting all these resources and then you're just spending those resources 
And then it's just always like, oh, I just wish I had just that one more and I could just do that one more thing on my turn. Right. And so you're desperately looking to see how you can get that one more, right? Is there yeah. any way you can, and sometimes it's like a system of four different things you have to do to get that one resource. That you don't and then have. all of a sudden you go, oh, I have an idol. I have an idol that I can use to get this. And then all of a sudden your brain goes into that. This yeah. switch flips that one. And this one flips that one. And it reminds oh, yeah. me a lot of Lagrange in that, in that sense, right? Where, Oh yeah. With your yeah, non action ability. Yeah, yeah. If you're short a little, one little thing, there's, there might be like not Sell so obvious grapes. routes to get yeah. there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We'll talk about cool. the originality of the game a little bit later, but because I don't know that there's anything overly new that it does. I think it just kind of throws together a whole bunch of stuff that we've already seen before. Yeah. But yeah, the theme, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree with that. It's, it's, it's what, what what got people excited about it when they started playing what i feel like when they started playing it was that is that it was that familiarity with with the yeah. mechanic with the mechanics and then with this um indiana jones exploration type <laughs> theme painted painted onto it kind of really started drawing people the production qual the actual physical copy of the game is it's a stellar oh yeah is a stellar production big chunky cardboard yeah, yeah. nothing yeah. flimsy about that absolutely Cool. Yeah, right on. Lost Ruins of Arnak. Check it out. It's Yeah, so it's on BGA. Uh, Beta, it's a beta test. So if you are a premium member, go there and check it out. Cool. Okay, you have to to be premium in order to play betas? I don't know. I just said that. I'm not actually. (laughs) (laughs) Conjecture, man. (laughs) Right there. Um, I, I'll follow suit. Uh, uh, I had I had wanted to talk about this again, and as I said before we started recording, uh, out of nowhere, my wife said, "Hey, do you want to play Jaipur?" And uh, because my wife's first hobby is reading, when she suggests that we play a game, uh, even if I'm in the middle of something that interests me, I will stop and I will absolutely um, uh, play a game. So we played Jaipur. Uh, an oldie classic 2009 mm. um uh, ryan doesn't even know that there were games back then <laughs> yeah there oh. wasn't any kickstarter back then <laughs> oh you <laughs> um hey here's something that i don't think we can so the designer is a uh, sebastian pochon and uh but the artist is vincent dutre and oh, alexander roche yeah so cool i didn't i mean i'm oh, I love it, okay so is that that stuff. would probably be the new edition that no well that's the new edition i have yeah. the old old one but yeah the new edition i i might have to upgrade my uh my old gameworks copy but um this is a two-player game where you are basically card drafting some hand management there's a market of uh uh familiar goods and rare goods. Um, you're set collecting, you're pushing your luck one to cash in. So basically uh, what happens is you have a hand of cards, you have a market of five cards and you have the camels and you have camels, uh, which are kind of, I would say uh, buffer cards or, you know, filler cards. But you're, the idea is you're, you're, you're drafting these cards into your hand, you're collecting sets, and then above the card market are tokens that represent points, and uh, the common goods have a lot of tokens, but not, like maybe the first two or three have good points, and then the rest are ones, right? So the deeper you go into that that set of items, the less valuable. Then on the rare sides, you have the gold, and you have the, uh, you know, sterling and the, and the gems, and uh, there's a limited amount of those, but they're very expensive. So y- y- uh, you kind of bounce around with what you're going to collect and what you're... Now, once you get these cards, you have a maximum hand of seven, which forces you to cash in. And that's when the, that's when the crazy happens. Because um, when you cash in, so you can cash in a set of two if you want. But once you hit a, a set of three, then you get a little bonus token that has, between a range of certain numbers, has a, you know, a, a bonus uh, victory points. So, man, here's the thing. It's best two out of three. I, I, I mean, we could, I could use a chisel and put it in stone. My wife wins the first one. I win the second one. She wins the third one. I walk away humiliated. No. Hmm. Um, but uh, I'm, I, I dig this game so much for the fact that the simplicity of it is straightforward. Hmm. But the depth of 
how to, how and when to push that, you know, when do I cash? How, you know, I still can't figure it out. She owns me. Like there's times where it's like, I got 83 and I look up, I got 57. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. too, all too familiar. Yeah, this is a this is a favorite. This is a favorite of ours too. And I, I'm I'm the opposite way. I will always win the first one, and then Jen always wins the next two. Bang bang. It, it just all, 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 always. And you're right. When do I cash? When do I cash in for for the chips? Do I try to collect that one extra one? So now that I have a set of four or a set of five, or do I just start chiseling away and cashing in just like sets of three? And here's what I've been noticing. I don't know. You could probably you could probably help me out with this. You have a max hand of seven, and the cool thing with the camels is, camels will come out in the market. And when you uh, on your turn, you take you have options. You either take one card from the market, and then it gets refilled from the from the uh, from the draw pile, or you can take as many as you want as long as you replace the same amount back into the market. You right. can use cards from your hand or you can use camels. That's where these camels come in. Yeah. But here's the trick. When the camels are in the market, you have to take all of the camels. So right. sometimes there'll be four and in five market stalls, that's a fresh fresh batch of cards out. You don't want gold cards right. to come out so that you're so that the person can look at you and go, thank you, I'm trading in all this leather for all these gold and sterling, yeah. right? It's just... It, it, it's yeah. one of those paper, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. And that balance of looking at your opponent going, you have seven cards. You have to eat. Like there's like your, your, again, your options are against the wall. I can now take it easy on my options. It's just so the depth of it is freaks me out sometimes. Yeah. And, and they give you a little bit of a compensation that if you have the most camels. Oh yeah. Yeah. Around you, you get like a bonus, like five points or something. That's just I always go with the camel strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't I don't, haven't played this often and I haven't played it in a long time and I don't even actually remember what the camel strategy is but I always go with the camel strategy yeah if see the game, if the game has camels always go with the <laughs> yeah but that's yeah that's Jaipur um, it's one of these small small box games that are I mean you pick it up for 25 bucks it, it, it's heavily regarded as one of the best two player games out on the market yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's up there in the conversations like with like Targi and uh, Seven Wonders Duel and stuff like that. Like it's 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 up there, even for even, yeah, has <laughs> has has Targi been mentioned on this podcast before? I'm not too sure. I can't go an episode <laughs> without mentioning Targi. Uh, it's like it's like a yeah. Um, so yeah, that Jaipur, um, Ryan, you got cleanup. Sure. So a game that we've been playing a lot of lately even though it takes forever to set up because it's got a bazillion components is Praga Kaput Regni. And I think I said that right. Kaput. So I'm just going to refer to it as just Praga from now on, instead of Praga Kaput Regni. I'll, 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 I'll say it's in the background. Kaput Regni. Title. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, this is by Vladimir Sushi or Suhi. I can't remember exactly. I how think, it, yeah, the second way. Yeah. And it's a Rio Grande's production here in uh, in North America, or Delicious Games in Europe. And this is like Vladimir Suhi is one of those designers that I've been paying it. I pay attention mm. to lately. Like the like I know if a Stefan Fell game comes out, I'm gonna love it. Yeah. Or if a um, Jamie Stegmeier game is gonna come out, I know I'm going to really enjoy it. Or a Simone Luciani game. Vladimir Suhi is coming out is is becoming one of those designers for me. And Praga Kaput Regni is not is not an outlier here. This is a fantastic game. I'm not going to go into all the details of how to play because <laughs> it's a very gigantic, very complex game with a lot of interconnected pieces. But at the center of it, it's a it's an action selection, and it's kind of a really really cool rondelle type of thing. There's this, they, he calls it an action crane, but it essentially is just this circular. Um, piece at the top of the board with the double and, hex tiles right yeah and these hex tiles yeah the double hex tiles are placed in and you're going to select one of those double hex tiles and take one of the actions on them and then at the end of your turn you're going to rotate the crane and then place your tile back at the top of it so eventually tiles that have not been selected are going to get further pushed further and further along and then they become more lucrative they actually can grant you bonus points and stuff like that 
if they get ignored long enough. And yeah, essentially what you're going to do is you're going to be take one of the actions. There's six acts. There's six different actions in the game, and they're actually not that. Um, they're not actually not that complicated of actions. It's just like, hey, I'm going to place a tile down on the board, or I'm going to place a tile into my player area, mm-hmm. or I'm going to produce gold, or I'm going to produce stone. Gold and stone are the two main resources in the game, which is actually kind of nice in a big, complex game like this. There's only two resources <laughs> to manage. And yeah, building wall segments is going to obviously cost a lot of stone. Building buildings is going to cost a lot of gold. And everything in this game is just one of those hey, I do this. And so now I'm going to combo that with my technology and this bonus that I get over here. And those things are going to bonus and combo into those different things. Fiddly (laughs) beyond belief. Like, I don't know how many times Jen and I will play this game. We're like, did I take that bonus? I don't think I took that bonus, but did I take the bonus on top of the bonus? Oh my gosh. And oh, I think I, I think I only scored two out of the four bonus points from my turn or something. Not a game to drink wine with. <laughs> yeah, you want to. You want probably a clear conscience going into this one because you're gonna. And believe me, you're gonna forget bonus points and bonus actions and bonuses. But is left, it right, and center on this good. one. Is it so, good? Oh, it's a del- very delicious puzzle. Like I, I like the title of the company from Europe, Delicious Games, because they're also the ones that put out uh, Underwater Cities. And these games that make, like I just say, delicious decisions. Um, the the puzzle that you have to try to solve, like, am I going to build heavy walls this game? Or am I going to go heavy and building into the market this game? And which one of the two? Yeah. Uh, again, again, like the production quality on this one, if you have, if you've pulled up pictures of it, it's fantastic. It's got these 3D um, staircase um, tracks that you can progress, like you can, feel, you can physically track your thing and it goes up the tracks physically. And there's like a little wooden cool. bridge that you have to build. It's the Charles, it's the Charles University Bridge. Charles Bridge, yeah. And yeah, the thematicness is kind of cool. Yeah, and the, the, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like a three-dimensional castle. Yeah. Yeah, the bridge is a little bit 3D. That's cool. Um, this is one of those ones you're not going to understand what you are doing in probably your first two or three plays. <laughs> you're you're going to do what Norm likes to do, which is push buttons and pull levers and just see what happens. And it's after those first couple of plays, you're actually going to realize what actions kind of connect with what scoring opportunities. And then after about the, I say it was about our fourth or fifth game that we've actually played this, where we're actually like, okay, right from the get-go, I had a strategy in mind that I wanted to try. Jen had a strategy in her mind that she wanted to try. Cool. And we went at it, and 16 actions later, that's all you get is 16 actions in this whole big complex game. Wow. And she only won by, like, three points. Nice. Two completely different strategies. Both were very competitive with one another. I'm pretty sure that I forgot to take four points somewhere (laughs) along. Of course. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The fish was this big. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So um, if you have a chance... Um, I believe the North American version um, by Rio Grande Games actually comes with like those wingspan wooden like wooden eggs uh, because there's a resource that's called with eggs because there's some um, some lore behind the the way that the Charles uh, Charles Bridge was um, created with using egg yolks and eggshells to like um I don't know what it, whatever brick and mortar the the the, the bridge together. Um, there, there's like, there's like a little excerpt in the rule book where they said that this is, this was a, this is an actual myth. This is actual. <laughs> and that's why we have eggs in the, as a resource, when you go down this particular uh, pathway, some Mason's myth. So it's like, and apparently if you take tourism of Prague, that they met, they mentioned this, that there are eggs in the, <laughs> in the bridge All right. made to help stick together. So. Um, yeah, so the North American version you get is um, wooden eggs, like 3D, but, but the version that I got from Europe um, only comes with cardboard um, chits for the eggs. But I just, well, I'm i thinking the eggs things, like if it works with meatloaf, it should work with stones too, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so um, Praga Kaput Regni Kaput. is a high recommendation, especially if you love crunchy euros with lots of things going on. 
it's a physically intimidating game to look at. <laughs> but once you actually actually start playing it, you're like, oh, this is actually not actually that bad. There's only just the six actions. It's just that what bleeds into what. Oh yeah, is is the hard thing to figure out. But oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's got to be in my top. If I had to revisit, I think I have to revisit my top games of 2020. I have to re-edit this thing because too I'm late. starting to too late. Oh. It's too late. Okay, <laughs> no going back. Okay, the honorable ship mention, has sailed, man. <laughs> honorable mention of a top game of 2020. Uh, Praga Kaput Regni by Vladimir Suhi. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And we are back. This is Cardboard Conjecture going into the reviews. Ryan? The reviews. Okay, so uh, we, uh, we're gonna, we haven't done this in a, either a long time or we haven't done this, but we're going to collectively uh, review a game because uh, it was sent to us by the publisher, I believe, Ryan? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and this game, uh, uh, I'll, I'll guide us through the segments. And uh, and as we always start with our reviews, we start with the game details. So I'm going to hand that off to Ryan. Game details. Sure. So the the, the history of this was that there was um, a thread coming out on Twitter where it was asking um, lesser known podcasts and content creators to kind of put their names forward on these like kind of like a review list or a, a list where these us lesser known people, because we only have like one or two listeners that actually listen to our show um, opportunities to get some like review games or produce some content for some of these other companies. And one of the ones that actually got back to us was um, the city of games. Yeah, that's it. Publishers, the city of games, um, which is um, organized by Frank West. And he's the designer of this game in, from 2019. That's the Isle of Cats. And it was a very successful uh, Kickstarter game back in 2019. I believe it earned over 500,000 um, British pounds was what the stat that I looked up here. So cool. Isle of Cats, 2019 release. Designer is Frank West. He's also the um, owner uh, guy of uh, the City of Games. All right. And it was artist. I believe he was also the artist on this game too. Yes. Yeah. Frank West and Drago Lisco was one of the accredited artists. Must have definitely owned cats because I've have a life experience of owning cats, and he's he's got the he's got the postures down pat. Cool. Well, we're on to uh, the the second part that we do the uh, the overview and the nuts and bolts, and I'll I'll take care of the overview, and I, as I always like to do. Um, do a very dramatic read through of the description. I love the, I love this story. I read this. <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> uh, the Isle of Cats is a competitive medium weight card drafting polyomino cat placement board game for one to four players, six with expansions. Uh, in the game, you are a citizen of Squall's End on a rescue mission to the Isle of Cats and must rescue as many cats as possible before the evil Lord Vesh arrives. Each cat is represented by a unique tile and belongs to a family. You must find a way to make them all fit uh, on your boat while keeping families together. You will also need to manage resources as you explore the island by drafting cards, rescue cats, find treasures, befriend Oshaks, study ancient lessons. I can't, I don't think I can take that, that, that vocal to each lesson. Will, each lesson you collect gives you another personal way of sorting points and 38 unique lessons are available. Complete lessons, fill your boat uh, and keep, uh, cat families together to the score points and players uh, with the most points after five rounds wins. 
So that is the overview description. I'm going to pass this off to, to Ian for some uh, some uh, game. How, how, shall I, how should I put this? The nuts and bolts of this game. Sounds good. The goal of Isle of Cats is to fill the spaces on your boat with cats. <laughs> That's what you're trying to do. There's a, there's a, this is going to be a long review, right? <laughs> We're going to, well, we each take turns heckling each other's parts. <laughs> there is a score pads worth of different ways to score points in this. The first big one is that keeping, like Norm mentioned, the families of cats. So you want to keep the colors of cats together as much as you can. You do the more you get to do that, the more points you score. There are lessons. I don't know why they're called lessons, but there's lessons, and there's both groups and individual. And basically, these are different ways cards that come up that you play that are different ways that you can score throughout the game. You have ones that will work only for you, you have ones that will work for everybody. So, for example, you might get a card that uh, allows you to get points based on how many rats you have left in your boat, where normally you would lose the points, things like that. And that brings me to my next point. You're trying to not lose points. <laughs> and you lose points when you don't eat the rats. So if the cats don't cover over the rats, uh, and if you don't, the big one is the room. So if you don't fill a room, if you have even one empty little spot in a room, you're going to lose five points for that room. On your turn, you are getting fish. So you get the same amount of fish, which is kind of interesting, actually, that everybody gets exactly the same amount of income at the beginning of every round, because that's what fish is, basically. It's your income. You're going to do a little card drafting. So you start with seven cards, you take two, you pass them on, and you keep going until you've got your set hand of seven cards. You're going to take these cards, and you're going to do various things with them, such as actually try to go and rescue cats. There's going to be, actually, there's not a set number. It depends on how many players, but yeah. there's a certain number of cats available each round, which are basically these Tetris-shaped tiles that you pull out of the bag, and they have cats on them. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there's two different prices. So half of the cats go in the in the cheaper price and half of the cats go in the larger price, yeah. I guess just mm -hmm. to make one group more desirable than the other because they're cheaper. Yeah. Well, and also I think there's some cards too that allow you to like, I'm going to move this one to the other place and vice versa. So mm. there's some manipul market manipulation, I guess. And then there's some confusing rule about baskets. <laughs> What's confusing <laughs> about it? I, I, hmm. I don't I, understand what you need them for. Okay, so um, I'll take a stab at the basket thing. Good, I think, thank you. Because um, it, it wasn't about till our second or third play that I think we, we really understood what the baskets were. So every player has a tile that has a basket on it. And what you need baskets for is you need those to go and rescue the cats. I'm assuming that I, I imagine myself running onto the island, stuffing a cat in a basket and running back to the boat. And being I'm a cat owner, here's the thing. You put a basket or a box anywhere on the floor and you look away and you look back, there'll be a cat sitting in it. So that's, I think to me, that's the funniest joke from a cat owner going, well, of course you use a basket. You just set it down and it'd be like, stand back, like fishing. There you go. There's a cat. Thank you. So, um, so everybody gets one. So you can rescue at minimum one cat per round, but then certain cards have pictures of baskets on them. Um, some are full baskets and some of them are kind of like half destroyed yeah. baskets. And you can collect these cards if you have a full basket or two half baskets will allow you to rescue more cats um, on your turn. Hopefully, Right, but what I don't understand is, is that card is the basket card on the card that you would use to rescue the cat. Can you use that card for both purposes? Yeah, you, you use it yeah. for, yeah, yeah. Right, so we were playing it right then. Yeah, okay. yeah. You, nothing in the rules made that clear, though. So I was just assuming that that was how it played. 
Yeah, because there's also on some of these basket cards, I believe they call them rescue cards, there's mm-hmm. also going to be the boot symbol, which allows you to um, manipulate, or uh, at least the boot symbol allows you to manipulate the turn order, and then the baskets allow you to yeah. grab, grab cats. And then once those baskets are used, you discard the card. You don't get, you don't keep that basket. Unless if a card says um, you earn a permanent basket, which, which you just grab another tile Right. Say, hey, now I can rescue two cats per turn now from now on. And right. and my take all the time, uh, speaking of the boots uh, thing, my take all the time is if a game has a situation where the turn order is kind of competitive, then you better pay attention to the turn order. Because in this case, uh, you can just like take tiles away from somebody who's, oh, you know, you could see someone going, if you get this, then you've now got five of the same family and you're into you know like uh like good set collecting the oh, more now, you have the bigger the oh, now now you're playing this game as a strategy game instead of a nice fun <laughs> family game <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting into the cat fights meow yeah <laughs> so so, the, so yeah. anyway the baskets uh i don't know how necessary <laughs> they are perfect personally anyway oh, no, the next no, thing you do no, you need you need the rescue lots of cats to fill up your boat yeah that's why you need the baskets you need the baskets to bring the cats onto the boat yeah, I understand that, but what? It, uh. <laughs> it's a joke. It's okay. Because because you don't use you know you know you don't use it. You know. Okay, moving on. Meow. Anyway, Steer. there's something about treasures, and then that's it. Five rounds, and then that's the game. The treasures, I think, are just kind of an addendum. They're just other extra ways you get points, and yeah, fill up spaces on your boat. That's right. Yeah, that's, right. Awesome. that's the big yeah, thing. Is they, yeah, they the take awkward up spaces. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, uh, moving on to uh, the 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 favorite part, the opinions, and we always like to go from the outside of the box in. So Ryan, why don't you start us off? Okay, I know why he did this, but this box is way too large for what <laughs> it's supposed to be. Can you explain because, the inside of the box? That's that's because. When I open up the box, I was like, wow, there is a lot of wasted space inside this box. But then when I read the lid of the box <laughs> and there's a target on it says, um, whatever, place cat here. Now I got the joke because there's always these these board game geek users out there on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot taking pictures of cats that crawl inside box lids or cats that climb inside game boxes. And I can attest, I have two cats and they took turns. Going in the lid. The other one had to go out and get a snipe. The other one came so this, in and sat there. So this is this is actually a legitimate thing. Like this is not people posing their cats inside <laughs> of game boxes. It's behavioral science, man. <laughs> so I'm looking at a very meta picture on Board Game Geek right now of this what you're talking about, the inside lid of Isle of Cats, and then somebody put a copy of Calico in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind Which of funny. A picture of a sleeping cat. So, anyways, box size aside like this is not your standard um game game box it is quite a little bit larger just because of that nice inside joke of pet owners and whatnot as a non-pet owner i would be a little peeved that i would have this (laughs) gigantic box and now i have to put on my shelf that's not going to fit with other boxes but i can get past that because real estate yeah um the the art in this game is actually really quite cute Mm. and quite uh really quite friendly family friendly um there, there are, oh my gosh, how many different pieces of art on these tiles of all the cats yeah. and the different poses and the different types of cats that are in there. Very well done. The um, the polyomino tiles themselves, nice thick cardboard. I'm the one who originally got the game, so I was did the I did the punching yeah. out, and they all punched out f- super smooth. Um, there was a lot yeah. to punch out, but and thank you. Oops, sorry. Vibrant colors. Mm-hmm. that's what I was appreciating. And now I don't know uh, if there's like that colorblind variation. Cause I don't, I don't have any of that, but uh, I, I did notice that there was very vibrant colors and to compensate for that. I believe all the tail sets were different to allow uh, those people to differentiate visually. Yeah, yeah. Like the blue cats all had a very similar feature and the red yeah. cat all had a very similar and they have names i don't have them in front of me but all the different families had different names to them um we can we can come back to that um, <laughs> I'll see if i could t- i see if i could track that for you there's um a large 
uh, drawstring bag that you put all of the tiles into. That's what you're going to be drawing the tiles out of for every round. That's a very nice addition because it's supposed to be random. It takes um, up 50% of the box. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. But once I started putting tiles into the bag, I'm like, oh, okay. I under I understand now. Practical. Kind of, also, kind, of kind of why that is. Yeah. Um, the rule book. I learned this game. I, I purposely, for the review here, did not watch a, a how to play video. I wanted to learn this game solely from the rule book. And it's an okay rule book. Like, the minus some ambiguities like what we said about the, the mm-hmm. baskets i quite didn't understand the baskets at the very beginning but a couple read-throughs and, and there are some there are some examples they're not the best examples to yeah. try to portray um the type of action that's that's go that's going on but overall you can get a general sense of what is supposed to happen during a round and it does a very good job there's um, a good kind of reference on what all the different cards, what all the different lessons do and how they, how they score. Um, yeah. It, honestly, I think, I think the rule book was a lot bigger than what it could have been. Um, it's very, it's very illustrious, very, very lots of illustrations in yeah. it and type thing, which is kind of highlighted the art. Um, but nice, but nice big font. I think that's why it took up so much real estate. That's why there's so many pages to the rule book is that they used a nice sized um, font is it was you're not squinting your eyes to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me was thinking with the rule book that I, I was always considering the, the target market of this game. And this is going to be wanting of like the family target market, right? Like, so I was thinking as far as the rule book goes, um, it had that sense of, of let us guide you through calmly and not crowd every, anything out. Um, I, I think it. I think it. The pendulum swung more to that uh, adaptability to entry people, not being intimidated by an overloaded uh, page kind of thing. So. Oh yeah. Oh yes. This, this one is definitely marketed towards as a family game um, audience, not not yeah. your not your super strategic gamer. But everything everything about this game lids itself that it's going to be a family um, styled game. Kind of middle weighty. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I tend not to notice the rule books unless they're bad. It's like, (laughs) it's like editing in a movie. You don't notice it unless it's awful. (laughs) That's kind of how rule books are. What does that guy's glass of milk keep going up and down and up and down? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, You had no problems with the rule book, Ian? No, just that baskets I didn't understand. And I couldn't seem to figure out how exactly I use them up, but so we just went with our best guess that we use them the same way yeah. we use them just to get the cats. Apparently you've never gone cat hunting before. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um... No, production quality in this game is excellent. And this this is a we got a retailed version of the game. We didn't get the Kickstarter. Yeah. Apparently there's a Kickstarter deluxe. Oh, there's oh the nothing that I didn't mention was like little wooden meeple cat catiples. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which are really which are really cute. And I under didn't understand what they were were for, other than I was like, oh, I pick a color. Oh, wait. Um, I only pick one color to represent my turn order and then the other one is if i actually play one of those oshak cats and i have to give him a color oh i don't get all of the green cats and <laughs> get all of the red cats yeah something like that. it was like a, a rule identifiers and bonus point identifiers yeah yeah so that uh, that, but that they was were another, cute yeah oh they're very cute that was one thing that i didn't uh, understand what they were all <laughs> for at the very beginning and then i'm like oh okay and then I guess the Kickstarter one would have had, I think they were screen printed. They actually had like art. Oh, cool. Screen printed onto the cats, but no, they're, they're fun. They're fun and cute. 
Yeah, I had no complaints at all about any of the components. I mean, like you said, the the, the polyomino tiles were nice and chunky because, I mean, in the bag and you're mixing it up, those things they'll they, they're going to take a bit of a beating, so they gotta they gotta last. And I think these Might are get stuck in the corners. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, worst if they get stuck in the corners because I really want that. I really want that one tile, Ian. And why is it stuck in the corner? Yeah, that's that ticket stuck to the outside of the the see-through bin as you're yeah, driving you nuts. Cool. Um, uh, let's move on to game system, game style. Um, who wants to Who wants to talk? You know what? I'm going to step in first with the game system, game style, because I think I'm the only one that played it solo. I think both you guys yeah, played play it two-player. Yeah. So the solo, uh, as far as the solo goes, uh, and my experience with a lot of these different games, uh, uh, and their their methods of of using a solo bot or solo AI or card driven system. Uh, this one was really cool because um, speaking of the di- five different color cats, that that uh, has a good synchron- synchronicity with the rounds because now um, in one of the rows you flip over a cat color and and how the AI works is that it uses your boat that you're that you're filling up as its own boat to score too. So how this works really cleverly is, is let's say I flip over a green cat in the first round. Well, any green cats on my boat count for five points for the AI. And each round as it goes on, I flip a color, flip a color and, and descending order. That's the value of the cat, these cats. So as a, as a solo player, right away, I'm thinking I, I have to, I mean, I still want to fill up the boat, but I don't want to fill up the boat with the heavy cost in cats. I should wait a little bit. I should stack some resources, get some good uh, um, uh, of these um, public lessons and, and private lesson cards out. Uh, so there was an interesting, it was an interesting, clever system that kept me as a gamer um, um, connected to the the, the ongoing you know, variable strategy of these cards coming out. And again, you could push your, uh, you know, from easy to hard, depending on how many of these uh, um, lessons that the, uh, the AI gets to trigger in their own random solo decks. So uh, yeah, I was impressed on that game system style and the entire way that you, you used initiative order, as I mentioned before, uh, how important that is too, because uh, the AI would steal stuff left, right, and center from you, um, and you know it's it's like the AI had this sense of what I wanted, and it got me mad. So, but that being said, yeah, I I quite enjoyed how they implemented the solo because sometimes the solo stuff just kind of bores you, but this one this one was wicked variable, and I like that because it changed the puzzle all the time, all the time, kept it dynamic. That being said, you guys did the two-player. So what do you guys think on the two, two-player side? So at its, at one, one of the um, main mechanisms in this game is the card draft. So in two players, you're going to get a hand of, no, correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, is it seven cards? Yeah. yeah you get mm-hmm. a hand of seven cards, and what you'll do is you'll draft two of them. Your opponent will draft two of them, and then you pass draft two draft two and then you get stuck with the last one so then eventually you'll have a hand of seven cards um the the drafting is really quite neat it's it's that way of trying to mitigate um mitigate the randomness of the card we didn't mention that there was a there there was what you said 34 different um lesson cards in this in this game but that's a big old stack of cards yeah that's a big stack yeah it is it's a huge hard to shuffle and so one of my things always with these is that I've drafted some lesson cards. I'm like, okay, this is obviously the way that I'm going to have to score that. I'm going to, I'm going to pick some lesson cards. This is going to be the way that I'm going to try to score points to this yeah. game. And so maybe my lesson was, Oh, I'm going to take this one. It says get five red cats onto my boat. Well, one thing, but sorry for interjecting there. Um, the, before we get to the playing cards, do we, we got to pay for the cards with the fish, don't we? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, so, all, all cards, all cards, have yeah. a co- all cards have a cost. I'm going to get to the cost. Later, yeah. But my, my big thing here is that when I do to select, do want to select a goal card and say, it's going to have five red cats. 
Well, now I'm reliant that cat, red cats are going yeah. to become available into the mar- into the markets, which yeah. that's a big, also big bag of tiles. And maybe five red cats don't even come out for the entire <laughs> game yeah. for, for that. But yes, we have to pay for everything. You get that 20 fish at the very beginning of the round and all the cards are going to cost between like zero to maybe some of them are like five or six fish. Um, the cats that you're going to lure, you're going to have to lure them with some fish. So some cost, oh, I'm already forgetting what the costs are. Some cost like say like four fish and the yeah. other ones cost like six fish or something yeah. like that. And so you have to kind of manage that, that, that kind of resource, but I didn't find was it was too terribly stressful to manage. Yeah. Because I'm not going to keep all seven of my cards in my hand. I'm not going to have to pay for all seven cards. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my hand at, at any given time. So I'm kind of picking and choosing which ones I want. Um, I'm all, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a big guy on this rent on my, my big sticking point for the review is that I'm, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of the randomness of the cards, even though they tried to mitigate that with the draft. Yeah. I'm drafting lessons and I may not get opportunities to fulfill um, those, those particular lessons. Yeah. I mean, I get that. They they just might not just come up or like the proper tiles just might not come up. So I'm maybe having to pay for like, Oh, I, I paid for this one card at the very beginning. And now it's kind of like a wasted card in my hand now. It doesn't cost you negative points in the end though, does it? No, but I could have spent that fish yeah. that I spent on okay. that card. I, I see what you're going. On, yeah, I could have spent that on another cat. Yeah, or I could have but made... you're still avail- able to pivot if, if, like you said, it's like, oh, it's not coming out. I got to dump that, and I got to go on to a different plan. Yeah, and I, I might not even get the card that allows yeah. me to dump my old <laughs> cards because there are some cards that allow you yeah. to dip them to get some resources or something. Yeah, um, I'm talking a little bit too much here. I'll let somebody, I'll let Ian, Ian take, take over for a little bit. Okay, uh, I thought the game played fairly smoothly. Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> so this is, uh, I think, indicative of a larger problem for me. It just wasn't different enough to other games. As far as thematic or mechanical? I'll, I'll get to theme later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as mechanics, because actually I just got back from just before I jumped onto the podcast with you guys, I played Patchwork, which is kind of the progenitor of this whole series of yeah. polyomino games, right? And Patchwork is kind of like the distilled version of it. Like that's all that it is, basically. And really appreciate that. I just played the 24 campaign of My City, which has a whole bunch of neat challenges about how you want to put the tiles out. And how you want to put the the um, different colors of buildings together. And I realized that that actually came out, probably was designed the same time as this game. But then there's also games like Baron Park, which has a neat idea of wherever you put your tiles, if you co- whatever you cover up triggers what you can do next, which I kind of like. Okay. But I just feel like there's a lack of originality <laughs> in the- games. And I think it's just because there's so many of games. Yeah. That oh. There's so many games now. There's no way you can have every game be unique. And it's just not realistic. It's hard to nail a uniqueness down when there's such a volume. Right. But the and card drafting is is something they threw in. And uh, we did a whole episode on it. And there are some games where it's a huge feature of it. Like Seven Wonders and Sushi Go mm-hmm. come to mind. This one is just kind of there to like Ryan said, mitigate the randomness a little bit. That's really its purpose, but yeah. it doesn't feel like it has to be there. The, oh, in, in this game, I think the drafting has to be there because if I'm just drawing seven cards off the top of the deck, yeah. that's, that's even worse. For I me. suppose like, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But, what, what, I mean, yeah. what I mean is, is it's not like a, a selling feature of the game. No. Or make or break. Yeah. Right. I, I do like, I always like, I do like these games with the polyominoes and you're trying to, where you put it, you're, you have a purpose for it, right? And this one, you definitely do. You've got the rat tiles you want to cover up. You've got the rooms that you want to fill. And so there's always an interesting challenge there. And then you're also trying to keep different types of cats together. 
So and the tre- and the treasures. I don't think did we. I think Ryan, you might have mentioned the treasures, which are kind of filler pieces. Right, the filler piece treasures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you kind of wonder if you can get those and and how they'll help you. And I like that. It, but it's not new. Like, no. This is not. <laughs> This is not a new uh, game system. It's just kind of throwing all the old things together. Right. Which I think is fine. That's what most games do now. I'm just getting a little burnt out on it. Yeah. But now one thing I like, I like about the poly. um, Now I did a segment on the, uh, what you've been playing Wednesday podcast where I mentioned when I was playing Isle of cats and I did a little math lesson about polyominoes and what I liked about this one is that it goes into the the um, the hexomino, the uh, five square shapes, which really opens up the number of different shapes and unique shapes that you can possibly have. Because there's, um, I believe what the number is, I believe that there is 35 different hexominoes because these ones you can flip. Yeah. You don't have, they don't have to have the one orientation. You can flip these. So there's 35 different... That's huge when you start into start saying that there's five different cats and there's 30, maybe there's 35, maybe they're all different and breaking out the math. <laughs> but I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy that. If you're going to have that many different tiles um, in, in the game. Yeah. I pretty, cause lots of these polyomino games stick with the familiars, the, the four block and the five block. Mm-hmm. Um, shapes and this one actually started introducing the six block shapes which really which really you don't see that one very often so that's actually kind of like maybe one of the unique things well yeah that's true yeah see i don't i see i don't perceive it from that math point of view but i perceive it from that point of view with like you said with that extra sh- uh, uh, polyomino shape that it completely changes your approach of how you're going to fill up that puzzle yeah. Yeah, cuz they're not they're not standard shapes. They're very really hard to kind of visualize and piece and piece, piece together, which is which is really kind of neat because I will lose lots of negative points cuz I can't fill rooms cuz I have that one extra square <laughs> yeah. tucked away tucked yeah. away in the corner. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, ends up getting pretty tough actually. That little eye twitch. I I need a treasure. <laughs> and then you get to the point where you're like, "Oh, that that room's just got to be abandoned altogether. I'm not even going to attempt <laughs> that yeah. one down there." I yeah. need to find a lesson card that mitigates that penalty. Yeah. Which is which thanks Norm for bringing that up because that is a key feature if you want to play this as a strategy game is that you need to draft lessons to know I am going to lose probably 15 points at the end of this game. I need to mitigate that. I need to hedge it. Yeah. I need to mitigate that one. Like um, a powerful card that I found was the one that grants points for having rats still exposed on, on your board, which I thought was like, wow. Okay. So I don't even have to, if I draft that, I don't have to worry about, rats because i'm going to score points for them rather than lose points yeah my wife had that card it's really one of the many ways that she destroyed me (laughs) okay so (laughs) we kind of tap we kind of tap danced around it but speaking of unique mechanisms and uh, ian you suggested that there's there's nothing uh, um you know revolutionary but ryan does make a good point about but the extra the, the extra what would you call spot or whatever? Yeah. 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 Cause you don't really, you don't really yeah. think how much adding one more brick or block or whatever to it actually to a puzzle, but it does enhance the variability for sure. Yeah. So because, cause there's, there's only, <laughs> here's the math part. There's only 12 different five block shapes. And then you increase that, that there's 35 different six block shapes. Yeah. That's a that's a big jump just by adding the extra square. Well, that's pretty unique. I mean, because now they're now they're you know exploring, you know, it's like now they're going okay. If how far can we push it till we break it, which is kind of cool. Well, that that leads me to like I have a I have a game design in the back of my mind <laughs> that only that uses seven blocks, which is there's a <laughs> hundred, but there's 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 a hundred. There's 109 different configurations nice. for a seven block. I'm reminded of Gillette commercials right now. It's like, you thought that three <laughs> blades on your razor was good. We have four. <laughs> this year we got, you, th- you thought four was a lot. This year we got five. Yeah. But, Monster uh, truck, truck, truck. <laughs> I'm going to jump aboard uh, what Ian was saying too, that this one didn't feel me. Now, if this was my first 
tile laying game right? mm-hmm. like, of this polyomino things, I think I would, I would be pretty impressed with the design. Yeah. We're just kind of a little jaded that we discovered this game a little bit later. Like I, like I do, like I play patchwork, I play yeah. Baron park, I play feast for open. And I've got all these other polyomino type of games. We have a lot of comparatives. Yeah. Right. And so then this one came, comes along and we're like, we're comparing it to that one rather than comparing those ones to this one. Yeah. And so that's kind of a understand that's where our minds are coming yeah. from. It's still, but I think it's also a comment on the state of games right now. Cause even we talked about lost ruins of Arnak earlier. That's kind of the same thing, right? Like we've seen everything in there before. It's just, we're just doing it a little bit differently now. Yeah. Cool. So um, does this, I mean, as far as the game, does it all connect with you guys? And I'll I'll start this off. Considering we mentioned what target market it's looking at, um, what it's trying to be, uh, I think it works kind of cool. I mean, and I love being a cat owner. I love all of the inside jokes that uh, look the <laughs> like the baskets. Well, of course you would carry a cat in a basket if you're rescuing it. Come on, you know, cat in a basket on a doorstep. Um, and uh, yeah, so I th- uh, even with the game system, I think it's 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 fun. It's clever. Um, it uh, and the variability, like Ryan had mentioned, just from the math side, uh, the value the variability makes it a, uh, a a game you can keep exploring as a family. So, yeah, no, I, I think this works great. Oh, yeah. No, you're not going to, because you're not going to see, well, especially in our two-player games. I don't know what it's like at the three or four-player, but you you definitely don't see all of the cards. You're still no, left no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> back at the, at the very end. So the variability in the way the cards come out is, is quite high. It's also a detriment to it that you might not, maybe you, your first few rounds are just basket and... Oh, what are those? There's some other cards that come out and there's not very many lessons. Yeah. Then all the lessons come out at the very end. Um, that's, that's kind of like the, uh, all the tiles are going to come out in different orders every game. Like the variability of this game is, is very high. Do I feel like now here, here's, here's an interesting <laughs> thing of a, do I feel like I'm this guy going out and rescuing cats and bring them onto the board? Cause there's this bad guy apparently that's going to come and take the cats and around like we, 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 we've talked about, we've danced around this thing about, I believe we've started using the term immersion. That's kind of seems to be the buzzword in the board game industry. And I know like, I don't feel immersed, but what I am engaged in is the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And that when you introduce polyominoes into a game, that's essentially what you're trying to <laughs> invoke into the person that you're trying to solve a puzzle yeah. in order to score all these victory points and, and, and whatnot. And this game does do that pretty well in trying to solve the puzzle. How am I going to mitigate the negative points? What, what goals am I going to try to draft? So now I've got to try to focus on completing those cool. goals. So, so it, it comes together fact, as a puzzle for you. As a puzzle, this game is outstanding. As a cat rescuer, I just don't feel it. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ian. Uh, I personally am not a big fan of the theme, but that's sort of a personal preference. And it's not the cats necessarily, it's the fantasy element that I'm not actually a big fan of. Because there's cats with like antlers and cats with vines growing out. Like they're not just cats, they're weirdo fantastical (laughs) cats. And I did, I just, I didn't understand why they were, right? But why aren't they just cats that you're filling your living room with and they're crawling all over your coffee tables and your couch backs and like your, oh, your oh, ship no, I'll, could I'll, I'll, I'll play the game with the boat rather than the game with my living room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I guess so. I just, I just, yeah. But I, but that's just a personal preference. I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, I like when, I like when a game is about one thing as opposed to two things. And this is like about two things. It's about cats and it's about some weird fantasy island that are okay. meshed together, All which right. is fine for, I mean, lots of people would, think that's cool but cool so on to conclusions um i'm going to conclude from the five solo games i've played and like ryan had mentioned that i didn't even go through the whole deck doing five solo games um that uh for what it is and what it's trying to do like i had said before 
I think it does a good job at at entertaining um, kind of entry level gamers, um, new gamers, not hardcore, you know, heavy kind of gamers. But this does a good job at what it's setting out to do, and uh, and I think uh, I think a lot of people will will enjoy it. I mean, if you're a cat fan, obviously this is this is one that you should try out just because of the theme and you get hooked with the puzzle. So um, as far as we go with our shelves, to me, for my own collection, um, I, I wouldn't put it on the top shelf. Uh, if, if my family were to play it more and it would, it would bring us to the table a lot more, it would be one of my regular plays on the, on the middle shelf. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, passing uh, it off, Ryan. I'll, I'll take a stab. So, as a strategy gamer, the the randomness of the cards bugs me, but I can get past that because that I don't think a strategy gamer like myself was the target audience for this game. Yeah, um, me being bugged by I draft a lesson and now I am never going to see those cards or never see those tiles. That bugs me as a as as a gamer, but that's not going to bug everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a gamer. Now, if you're the, the, the guy that, you know, the rad, that kind of randomness bugs you, this isn't a game um, for you, but for a, like you said, this is an entry level family weights type of game. Um, the puzzle of it is, 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 is top notch. Like it, it ranks right above there with all those other polyomino type of games like patchwork and Baron park, like we've already talked about. And just me discovering this game so late um, in comparison to those other games is kind of like a detriment to my review of it because I'm comparing it to those and I really enjoy those games. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, would, there, would there be a spot on my shelf already with me already owning all these other games? Um, if you already own these types of games, this, there's prop for me, there's probably not a spot on the shelf, but if you are f- discovering this game, this is going to be your first polyomino type of game. Yeah, definitely. There's a spot on the, yeah. on the shelf. It does a lot of really cool things with that puzzle and everything. So for me personally, um, this is a bottom shelf game just because I'm comparing it to those other yeah. ones, but there is still a fantastic game in here. Um, I just discovered this game too late. Yeah. Cool. Ian. Yeah, I think that my thoughts would mirror Ryan's pretty pretty well. I don't think it has a place in my collection. Uh, I don't feel like it's that unique, but I think that what it does do, it does pretty solidly. Yeah. And I do think it would be a pretty good family game, not like young, young kids, but, you know, mm-hmm. right. a little bit older kids would be, it would work really well with. Um, the theme doesn't work for me, which is why I wouldn't keep it around because it just, that's just not for me. And I like to have my games have themes that would, that would work for me. Um, but well, And to me, that makes sense because you're, you're a very dedicated film person and that's all about theme and story and narrative. And <laughs> <laughs> but that said, despite that, I think that the, the artwork and the components in general are are really solid. They're yeah. it's a top-notch production. So, yeah, this, if, this is one of those circumstances where Kickstarter was useful in the, I believe, in the production and getting of, this game of, out of, of, get, of getting this game out out there. It is not far out of the BGG top 100. Like there is a oh. there, there there's a solid fan base. Yeah, for this game, like um, Norm and I mentioned, there's a there's a lady at work mentioned when i passed this game off to norm she mentioned oh yeah we have that we have that game we enjoy that quite a bit a person i didn't even think would it would be <laughs> would play board games says that she owns this game so which, identified which yeah and yeah, and she, and yeah and she said that this is so much fun and and every time they have a great experience every time they play so i th- like yeah to wrap up surmise what you guys are saying considering their market considering who they're they're you know wanting to you know be interested and play this game? I think they did a great job, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I, I really feel like that the tension would be a lot higher in a in a higher player count game. There'd be more competitive yeah. for the, um, that 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 turn order to be able to draft some of the cats. At I'm a blaming lower COVID cut. for that. 
Because there, there is, they had an expansion pack for this that allows you to play with up to six people, which is yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, for the style of game. And that's where I'm thinking where a lot of that elbow nudging for for pieces is going to be interesting too. Right. So, yeah, that's that's an experience that I want to I want to have a crack at as well. So, yeah, Isle of Cats. Yeah, it was it was. I'm trying to find a cat pun here. It was perfect. Oh, let's <laughs> let, 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 let's just wrap it up now. <laughs> wrap it up now. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, uh, thank you for uh, enduring the cat jokes uh, and <laughs> pretentious. No. Okay. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039. Yeah.